But if you know the Lord, you have a certain future. Amen. Amen. And um, there's a comfort that comes with certainty. There's a comfort that comes from assurance uh, that you're in the Father's hand, that no one can pluck you out of that hand. That includes you. Amen. I was talking with a guy one time, and he said, well, he believed you could lose your salvation. He said, and I quoted that verse, he said, well, yeah, no one can pluck you out of, that, out of the Father's hand, but you can walk out of the Father's hand. I said, well, the Bible says that he holds the universe in the palm of his hand. I said, you've got a long walk. You better start walking. Amen. <laughs> and uh, we're secure in him. And we, are, uh, we also have the assurance that in this journey, our destination is not only sure, but our pathway is sure. Even though we may not know all the details regarding our path, we know the one who does know all the details. And the one who knows all the details is in charge. He's in control. And um, there's a real assurance in that. We're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 22 this evening. Spent the better part of the day looking in this chapter and just uh, being blessed by the Word of God here. In God's Word of blessing. And let me encourage you, listen, Christian, if, if you're here tonight and you're not reading God's Word, and let me say this, if you're not meditating upon God's Word, if you're not studying God's Word, you say, preacher, I'm not a preacher, I don't have to study God's Word. Now, the command to study God's Word is for every child of God. If you're not doing those things, then you are robbing yourself of probably the greatest blessing and the greatest assurance you can have this side of heaven. Uh, that constant comfort, that constant guidance, and beyond all the benefits of reading the Scripture as far as to us uh, in this life, uh, this is how you get to know your God. This is how you get to know the one who bled and died for you on the old rugged cross. And there's fellowship, there's sweet fellowship to be found as you read these pages, as you study God's word. And in Genesis 22, one of, the, uh, one of the tremendous chapters of scripture in all the Bible. And uh, if you, when you find your place there in Genesis 22, stand with me. We're going to read... The first 14 verses, I know that sounds like a lot, uh, but uh, I'll try to read fast, and you listen fast. Genesis chapter 22, verse 1, the Bible says, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, and saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, 
and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, uh, here, here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together, and they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything to, unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him and uh, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of, the, of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. I want to preach tonight on that title of the Lord, that name of the Lord that's listed here. Jehovah Jireh. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us. And you pray with me as I pray. As a matter of fact, I'm going to ask a couple of preachers who are here uh, tonight if they pray before we begin. I'm going to ask uh, Brother Peterman if you would pray again, please. Brother David Peterman and then Brother Ed Schweitzer if you would pray as well before we get into the scripture. And let's all of us pray together as they pray that God would speak to our hearts tonight. That God would reveal himself to us tonight in a powerful way. So, Brother Peterman, please lead us. Amen, amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Genesis chapter 22 is a tremendous passage of Scripture. What we've read this evening is probably not new uh, to many of us in this building tonight. I'm sure the preachers that are here have preached from this passage probably on several occasions. There's tremendous pictures and types in this passage of the Lord Jesus Christ and of the, the sacrifice He made for us. There's also prophecies in this passage that, uh, that are tremendous prophecies that we see fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want us to think about also the fact that although there are all these pictures and types in this story, this is still a literal story that took place. This is a real story. These are real people. Abraham here, he's a, a great man, 
As a matter of fact, the Bible will call him the friend of God. Abraham is the friend of God, and it's a title that is given to no one else in the Scripture. Only Abraham is called the friend of God. He had a close relationship with God. And yet Abraham's life is filled with trouble and trial and testing. And we see that over and over again in his life. And, uh, but I would say in all of the trials that Abraham has gone through and all of the tests that has been, have been put to him during his uh, life, uh, this would have to be at the very top of the list. All the way back in Genesis 12, God called Abraham to leave his family, to leave his home, and, uh, and to go to a country that he was going to tell him about later on. So Abraham goes home that night, and I can just picture it in my mind. He goes home that night, and he talks to Sarah, his wife, and he says, uh, "Hun, we're moving. Wow, okay, that was kind of sudden. Where are we going? I don't know. We're just moving. We're leaving and we're going and God is going to tell me sometime where we're going to go. Uh, you just have to trust me on this. That was a pretty big test. Amen? That was a pretty big test. And then the, the, the testing of all those years when Abraham and Sarah could not have children. Uh, and uh, for, for many years, many years, they were up in years by the time that, that Isaac came along. Abraham was 100 years old. And Sarah was 90 years old. And God had promised them a son. And Abraham uh, had even questioned that. And he thought, well, maybe he means my servant. I'll just adopt my servant. And my servant will become my son, which they often did in those days. And so God appears to him again and said, no, no, no. It's not going to be a servant. It's going to be a son that, that is issued from you and your wife. Sarah is going to bear a son in her old age. Brother, that's a test. Not too many 80 and 90-year-olds getting ready to have kids. Amen? But they, uh, they passed that test. Amen? They believed God. Abraham believed that God uh, could give him a son, him being as good as dead as far as reproduction was concerned. Isaac was a miracle sent from God. That was a test. There was many tests throughout Abraham's life, but this has to be the greatest test that he ever faced. Here on this day, God appears to, the, to, to Abraham and the Lord tells him, uh, He said, I want you to take your son. He says, thine only son, Isaac. Now we understand that, I, that Abraham had another son named Ishmael. But in God's record, as far as the promises were concerned, all the promises, all the, uh, all the, uh, the, the seed that was going to uh, continue through, it was going to be through Isaac. He said, I want you to take your only son, the only son of promise that you have, and I want you to take him up on a mountain that I'll show you, and I want you to take your son. And I want you to bind him to an altar, and I want you to offer him to me for a burnt offering. Listen, folks, this really happened. God really spoke to this man and told him, I want you to take that son that I promised you, that son that I gave to you, and I want you to give him back to me. 
Now, notice Abram's response. It was quite amazing. The Bible says in verse 3, he rose up early in the morning. He got right to it. Well, what an what a, what a example in obedience, an example in faith. But there was something I believe, you say, how could, a, how could a father, a loving father, go through with these instructions to offer up his own son to God? This is how I believe Abraham could do this, because he knew the God he was serving. And he knew that his God was Jehovah Jireh. You say, what does that mean? Jehovah Jireh... Uh, Jehovah means the Lord. It's a title that's given for the Lord in about uh, seven different passages. It's what we call transliterated. You say, what does that mean? It doesn't really matter. Um, but it's a, it's a title for the Lord. And then <clears throat> Jireh means provides. And so this name for the Lord actually literally means Jehovah, the Lord, will provide. The Lord will provide. That's Jehovah Jireh. And listen, Jehovah Jireh for Abraham is Jehovah Jireh for me. And he's Jehovah Jireh for you because the Lord changes not. Yesterday, today, forever, Jesus is the same. Amen? And he's the God who will provide. Now, I looked up this word provide. And uh, I was surprised that I didn't know exactly what it meant. I thought I knew what the word provide means. But I learned a long time ago that when I'm studying the Word of God, I should really study a little deeper than what I think I know. Because usually what I think I know, I don't know. <laughs> Amen? And uh, that's how you can say, well, it seems like the longer I walk with God, the less I know. It's because we take for granted we know things, we don't really know them. The word provide, if I were to ask you what provide, and I will, I'll ask you, what does the word provide mean? It's not a trick question, amen. What does it mean to provide? To give. What else? To be responsible for, okay. How about the word supply? Supply, to, to furnish to meet a need? When we say, well, I had a need and then someone came along and they provided for that need. But you know, it's more than just supply. It's more than just to furnish. The word provide comes from, our English word provide comes from a Latin word. It's in two parts. The first part, pro, the English part, pro, means before. Okay, uh, we often would say it pre now. Um, and then the, the last part of the word vide is where we get our word video. And that means to see, to see. And so the word provide literally means to see before, to see before. And see, when you, when, you, when you think about this, and you think about uh, this, uh, this story, Abraham was, was going out in faith. He did not see how these things were going to reconcile themselves. He didn't see how it was going to end. But God saw it before Abraham even faced it. 
And God in seeing it, God had already provided for it before He even faced the trial. When we talk about the provision of God, that means He sees beforehand what we're going to need and He supplies beforehand, before the need even arises. What a great God. When you think about uh, that word provide in that sense, you know, often we, we think, well, well, uh, I just don't know how I'm going to provide for this. Well, the fact of the matter is, in this sense, you can't provide for it. I can't provide for the future because I can't see the future. But I serve a God, Jehovah Jireh. He is the Lord who provides. He sees the need before I even face it. And He meets the need before I even face it. I may not see the need being met in my time and space that I live in right now, but that doesn't mean that it's not met. No, as a matter of fact, it's already been provided for. And our God shall supply all our need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. See, we often think, well, I I don't see how this need is going to be provided. It's because we're basing on what we can do. God often allows things in our lives, as a matter of fact, very often allows things in our lives that there's no way that we can meet the need so that we'll look to Him who who can meet the need and who will meet the need. He's promised He would. He is Jehovah Jireh. Not only He knows our need before we ask, He also sees how the need will be met before we even face it. The Lord provides. We could never provide for ourselves. We could never see ahead. We could, Abraham did not know. As a matter of fact, we'll see in a little bit what Abraham thought was going to happen. And he was wrong. He was wrong, but he still knew God was going to provide. He just didn't know exactly how. He didn't know exactly how God was going to provide, but he knew his God, and he knew that his God would not let him down. He knew his God would provide. Listen, friends, we we may not see how God's going to provide. Very, Very few times do I see beforehand how God is going to provide for a specific need. I always have my ideas how he's going to do it. Right? Amen? And I, I have it all planned out. Well, if I talk to him, talk to her, and if I'd say it just the right way, and if I just, you know, kind of manipulate circumstances the way I think it'll work out, it never works out that way. But it always works out. <laughs> the, the need's always met. He said, well, preacher, I, I, I'm, I want to tell you about a need that wasn't met in my life. It was met. Maybe you didn't understand how or why it was met the way it was, but God knew and God knows. And you may be facing things to this day and you don't understand why they turned out the way they did. Let me tell you this, you can trust Him. He has our best interest in mind. He's too wise to make a mistake and He loves us too much to mistreat us. Amen? He's Jehovah Jireh. He's the God who will provide. Now, three things I want us to see regarding this provision. In verse 14, I want us to look at it again. Abraham called the name of of that place Jehovah-Jireh. And uh, so he's 
calling the place after the Lord. Because he says this is where the Lord met the need. And then watch what it says in the last part of the, of the verse. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. It. What, what shall be seen? I believe he's talking about this provision. This provision shall be seen. And uh, three things I want us to see. Number one, I want us to look at the proving for the provision. In verse number one, it says, It came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. He tempted Abraham. Now, sometimes we read that and we get a little nervous. I can remember the first time I read this and I thought, wait a minute. God doesn't tempt us to do wrong. And, the, and you know what? He doesn't tempt us to do wrong. James chapter 1 tells us that God doesn't tempt any man with evil. This word tempt means to test. It means to prove. It means to prove. And here he's about to prove Abraham. Now Abraham, already in his life, he has declared his faith in God. He has declared that he is a follower of the one true God. But now his faith, his profession is about to be put to the test. After this test, after this proving ground for Abraham... Everyone around him is going to know the reality of his confession. They're going to know the reality of his faith. James chapter 2 tells us that Abraham was justified by works. Did you know that? Now Romans 4 tells us he was justified by faith without works. Is that a contradiction? Not at all. In Romans chapter 4 he was justified, declared to be righteous before God. And it was by faith. When he placed faith in what God had said, the promise he had given him concerning that lad, concerning that lineage, concerning that seed. And we know in Galatians that seed was Christ. He was talking about when he placed faith in that revealed word of God, God gave to him as a gift his righteousness. And he was justified. Justified means to be declared righteous. He was declared righteous by God when he placed his faith in the, in the revealed word of God. But he was justified by works, the Bible says, when he offered Isaac upon that altar. What we're reading about here in Genesis 22. What does that mean? Well, the whole context of James chapter 2 is about what men may say, but what do they show? Your testimony before man. Abraham was justified, that is, he was declared righteous by his works before men. Because men can't see your heart. You can say that you have faith, you can say you, can believe, you believe God, but until you show it in your life, no one is required to believe you. Amen. He was justified by works when he offered his son upon that altar. And everyone around him saw this man. What he says he believes, he believes. Because his works back up his faith. And we declare this man to be righteous. 
This was a proving ground for Abraham, a proof, a proof regarding his faith, but also proof regarding whether he feared God. Notice what it says in verse 12. He said, Lay not thine hand, back in Genesis 22, he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything to him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of knowledge. You will never know God until you first fear Him. You will never be wise concerning God until you first fear Him. My friend, that's a topic that is being glossed over and ignored in these days. Let me tell you, it's important to God. It's so important to God that He told Abraham, take your son up on that mountain and offer him as a burnt offering to me. And when he, when he obeyed God and God spared Isaac, he said, now I know you fear me. I'd say it's a pretty big deal to fear God. Amen? It was a test of whether he feared God, a test of whether he had faith in the Lord. And I mentioned earlier that Abraham knew that God would provide, but he thought it would be some different way that he would provide. And he knew that Abraham or Isaac was the son of promise. And look at, look at Hebrews chapter 11. Turn with me there, Hebrews 11. Look what Abraham thought was going to take place. And I want us to think about it just for a moment and really marvel at this man's faith. In Hebrews 11, what we often call the, the hall of faith, we read in verse 17, it says, by faith Abraham, when he was tried, there's that tempt, uh, temptation, that trial, that proving, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Notice how it speaks of it in the past tense. As if Abraham had actually offered Isaac. Even though we know that God had intervened and stopped him from offering Isaac. Let me look, look up here. Listen. Abraham had already offered Isaac in his heart. It was already a done deal. He was not even expecting the Lord to do, do it the way he did it. Watch what Abraham was expecting. He offered his only begotten son. Look, look at verse 18. Of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. He knew that God's word was through Isaac. The promise was through Isaac. Watch verse 19. Accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. You know what he's saying? You know what the scripture's saying here? Abraham believed that he would offer his son on that altar and that he would kill his son on that altar. He just believed that God would raise him up again. Abraham believed in the resurrection. Get this. He believed in the resurrection before anybody had ever resurrected. We believe in the resurrection, but we can look back on all these resurrections that have taken place already. Amen? 
There's so many times throughout Scripture where someone was raised from the dead by a prophet of the Lord or by the Lord Jesus himself, by the apostles in the New Testament. Some were raised back from the dead. But that had never taken place when Abraham took Isaac up on that mountain. That never happened before. He didn't have history to look back at and say, well, you know, he's done it before, he'll do it again. All he had was God's word. All he had was God's word that God was going to send the seed through Isaac. But I say tonight, God's word is enough. We come to a trial in our lives All we have to do is remember we're serving the Lord who provides. And He's promised in His Word that He will provide. This man had great faith. It wasn't faith in his ability, it was faith in God's Word. He said God would raise him from the dead. This proving, this proving is so important because, listen, Abraham, had he not proven the Lord, he never would have seen the provision of God. This proving for the provision. He proved that he had faith. He proved that he feared God. You say, how did he supply that proof of his faith and proof that he feared God? That's things that you can't really see. You can't Show someone your faith without works, right? You can't show someone you fear God without works. Let me show you how he proved it to the Lord back in, in uh, Genesis 22. Hopefully you saved your place. I did not save my place. But it's, it's easy in that it's the first book of the Bible. Amen? Well, after... After Holy Bible. Amen. That's the... So, <clears throat> in Genesis 22, look, look, what to, look what the Lord has to say. Look down in verse number 16. He said, And said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing, and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because thou hast what? Obeyed my voice. Because thou hast obeyed my voice. You know how we prove to the Lord, to ourselves, and those around us that we have faith in Him, we obey. We obey. Now, I know it's very interesting about this word right here in Genesis 22, is this is the first mention of the word obey in the Bible. As a matter of fact, there are several key words in this chapter that are first mentions in all the Bible. And it's very instructive to us if you... uh, those of you who have maybe studied in Bible Institute or Bible College, or you've, you've, maybe you've heard this from the pulpit, what we call the law of first mention. The law of first mention is this. When the Lord first mentions something in the Word of God, 
that generally sets the course and the meaning for that word throughout the Scripture. It's a tremendous way to study the Bible. You can study words throughout the Bible. But when you look at that first mention of that word, it's very instructive. And here we find Abraham obeying. The first mention of obey in the Bible is to me found within the context of the hardest command ever given. The hardest command ever given. I cannot think of a harder command in all the Bible than what God told Abraham to do right here. To offer up his son. You know what Abraham said? Lord, it does not matter what you ask of me. It doesn't matter if people understand. It doesn't matter if people think I'm crazy. It doesn't matter. Lord, if you tell me to do it, I'm going to obey your voice. Obedience. It's immediate and it's complete. That's what real obedience is. And Abraham proved his faith in God, the God who will provide. He proved his faith in Him by being obedient to His Word. Can I ask you tonight, are you living in obedience to the Word of God? You say, preacher, some of the things that God asks us to do are so hard. Listen, if we believe in a God who will provide, there's nothing that should be beyond the realm of obedience. His faith in God who would provide for him carried him through the hard commands, the hard things in life, and he just he committed himself to the Lord. He committed his son to the Lord. He committed his future to the Lord. And he said, Lord, if you are giving me this command, then I will be faithful to obey. Praise God. What an example. What a challenge to us. There's going to be times in your life where God is going to put His finger upon something precious in your life. And He's going to say, I want that. I want them. Listen, if you're not trusting in a God who will provide, in a God who loves and cares for you, you're not going to make it through the trial. But if you will commit yourself to Him who loved you and gave Himself for you, He's not asking anything from you that He hasn't given to you already. The God who provides, He's going to prove us. He proved Abraham and Abraham passed the test. If you look in uh, the the second thing I want us to look at, look look down in verse 2. Of uh, chapter 22. Don't worry, I've only got three points. Look what he says. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest. By the way, that's the first mention of love in the Bible as well. Right here in Genesis 22. He said, Take thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah. And offer him there. Now, if you underline your Bible, let me encourage you to underline that word there. Offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. The second thing I want us to think about tonight is the place of this provision. 
the place of the provision. It was a land called Moriah. And uh, four times in this passage, it's mentioned as the place. It's mentioned in verse 3, the place. Verse 4, the place. Verse 9, the place. And verse 14, that place. Specific place. And uh, I want you to think about this. On ver- in verse 4 it says that uh, it was the third day. On the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. You see, when the Lord appeared to Abraham, he said, I want you to offer your son, but I've got a specific place I want you to offer him at. It couldn't just, just any old hill around there wasn't going to do. God had a place in mind. He had a specific place Can I say tonight, God has a specific place of His will for your life. He has a specific place, and it's only in that place that you will see Jehovah Jireh. That place. He said, offer Him there. Offer Him there. If you look down again in verse 14, he said, the latter part it says, As it is said to this day, In the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. Not anywhere else. Only in the mount of the Lord, only where God directed, only where God placed. It's only going to be in that place that you'll see the provision that you need. How important it is to be obedient to the voice of the Lord. And I love how he says that he, he obeyed my voice. Often when we think about obedience in light of a Christian, we think about being obedient to the Word of God. And it's very true we ought to live in obedience to the Word of God. But can I tell you here tonight, God does not have in His book your name and the place where you're supposed to be. It's not in there. You're not going to read tonight, uh, Pastor Phil Wood, I want you to be in Philadelphia. You're not going to read that. It's not in there. But that doesn't mean God's not going to instruct him to be in Philadelphia. You see, there's the voice. It's not just reading the words, but as you read the Word of God, the Spirit of God guides us into all truth. And He has a specific place for you. Young people, He has a place for you. Not so young people, He has a place for you. Amen? You better get in that place. It was specifically chosen. It was the place that God wanted to uh, provide for him there. It was at this place that later on, in 2 Samuel 24, David would purchase this place and offer there a sacrifice to the Lord to stay the plague that was going through the land of Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem. This is the same mountain, this place. Later on, Solomon would build the temple of the Lord in this place. Quite a place. 
See, God had a plan for that place. He had a plan for that place. We can't see, remember? We can't provide. We can't see down the road. We have to trust the one who can see down the road and just be obedient. If God wants me in this place, it may not make sense to me to be in this place, but if God's got me in this place, He's got a reason, and down the road we'll see it. In the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. It was on this place that the provision was made. I think about Elijah when he was prophesying in his day and he went and prophesied a famine in the land of Israel. Ahab the king, of course, as most carnal people do, he blamed the preacher. It was your fault we have a famine. You're the troubler of Israel. Elijah was having none of it. He said, I'm not the troubler of Israel. You are. Amen? Thank God for a man of God who got some grit in his craw. Amen? I don't really know what that means, but I, I heard one preacher say he got some sand in his pants. I don't know what that means either. But, I, but I'm, I'm thinking that, if, you know, I might be a little on edge too if I had sand in my pants. But he had some backbone. Amen? And he stood there in that place, and, and after, uh, after a while he fled. The Lord sent him away, and he sent him to a brook called Cherith. Our little baby's name is Cherith. And uh, it means the Lord will provide. Isn't that a blessing? And uh, when you're 40 and you have a child... You're looking for the Lord to provide, amen? But Elijah told, or God told Elijah, he said, I've, uh, I want you there by the brook. And then later on, he sends him to a widow woman's house, and he says, I've got a, woman, a widow woman there to provide for you. you got to get in the there, amen? I think about this, and we'll move on to the last point, but I, I want to... Talk a little bit about that bus that we have out there. We, uh, when we first started traveling, uh, there was uh, we only had ten children at that time, just small family. But we, when we started, we had a little pop-up camper. That's what we traveled in, and uh, bed popped out this side, and bed popped out that side. And we had the couch that folded down to a bed and the table that folded down to a bed. It was 19 feet long. After the beds popped out, it was about 20, I don't know, 26 or something, 24. And uh, it was tight in there. There was, a, if, if you had to go to the bathroom in the night, someone was going to get stepped on. We had bodies everywhere. They were laying in the floor. They were laying uh, what little bit of floor we had. And uh, I knew that uh, that was not sustainable. We prayed, and eventually we got a motor home, a little bit bigger. No more beds, but a little bit bigger. And I said, Lord, uh, you, know, you know our needs, and we need something. Uh, we, we live in this all year round. This is our home. And uh, if you'd provide, uh, I sure would be grateful. And uh, we were at a meeting in Wisconsin. Now... 
in our travels so far, we've been in one meeting in Wisconsin. We were at this meeting in Wisconsin, and um, <clears throat> it was a three-day meeting like this one. And on the first day of the meeting, we got there, we got settled in, and uh, I was looking at my phone, and I saw a bus for sale. And uh, it, has, it had eight bunks in it and a bedroom in the back and, and uh, everything we need, full-size fridge, so we keep more than just, you know, a couple snacks in there for the family. And as, uh, as soon as I saw it, I thought, oh, Lord, this would be a blessing. Then I looked and saw where it was listed at. It was one hour from where I was preaching, one hour away. The only time I've ever been to Wisconsin. God had me in that place at the right time. I went over, looked at the bus, talked to the man who had it. He, uh, he told me what he wanted for it. I said, I don't have that. He said, that's okay. Just give me what you can. And uh, so I gave him what I had. And there's a lot to that story. I won't tell it all. But just around that same time, uh, these churches, all these churches up in the northeast, these little, little country churches had got together and they had been saving up money for us without us even knowing. We didn't even know. And it was, uh, it was, the, it was the, week, the week after we got that offering. They gave us that offering. It was the week after that we were in Wisconsin and, and found that bus. God just put it all together. And, and you know what? I had been stewing and just all that time leading up to it when I finally just said, Lord... I'm just going to leave it in your hands because I know you can provide. He provided. Amen. He provided. He's the Lord who provides. Let me give you this and I'll be done. I don't even know how long I've gone tonight. We got food downstairs, right, preacher? Okay. So don't leave. The last thing I want us to see is the promise of the provision. In verse 8 it says, Abraham said, My son, God will provide. God will provide. If I can get you to think of, just remember one thing tonight, remember this. God will provide. It'll be God who does it. And he says, God will provide himself. I thought about this. God will provide. What does that mean, God will provide himself? Well, I believe it means a few things. Number one, I believe that it means God will provide for himself. This Provision that God gave, that God made, was so that a sacrifice could be offered to Him. And He provided for His own sacrifice by putting that ram in that thicket. Because it was there where the ram was. Amen? No other mountain. It was on that mountain, in that place. God provided for Himself. Then I thought of this. God provided by Himself. Abraham didn't help Him. Isaac didn't help him. The servants weren't there to help him. They were just all there to observe what God can do all by himself. Amen. He provided all by himself. Listen, our salvation tonight, you didn't help him provide you with that. No, no. He provided all of it for you. Amen. Then I thought of this. God will provide himself. He provided of himself. You see, this, this statement that Abraham makes is a prophecy. 
My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. Most of the new versions, matter of fact, all of them that I know of, they put the little word for in there. Well, I do believe that God provided for himself. I also know that God provided himself. John said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. You know what? The sin that you and I carried, God didn't just send something to provide for us. He came himself. God was manifest in the flesh. He is the sacrificial lamb. He is the one who took our place on that cross. He became the sacrifice that we needed. Listen, listen, it didn't stop there. It started there. He still is our provision. Brother Peterman and I were talking today. We were talking about how David said, The Lord is my portion. Not the Lord provides my portion. The Lord is my portion. Say, what do you have, preacher? You don't have anything. You got an old beat down bus. You got this and that. You got that. I've got Jesus. Hallelujah. He is my provision. And one more thing you ought to know about this mountain. Long before we saw our need, the Lord provided. And on this mountain, He provided a ram so that Isaac didn't have to die. And on this mountain, He provided sacrifices in that temple. First, before the temple, He provided a sacrifice so the city of Jerusalem didn't die. Then after the temple was built, He provided sacrifices. He blessed them so that they could bring those sacrifices in to keep the nation from dying. And on this hill, on this mountain, known in those days as Moriah, but now known by a much more well-known name, Calvary, He provided the Lamb who died once and for all, for, for every sin that's ever been committed, every sinner that's ever been born, His blood is the last blood that will ever be shed for sin on this mount, in this place. The promise, look what Abraham said. Look what was written here in verse 14. He called the name of the place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord... It shall be seen. Now, you know what? Abraham said this after the ram had already been provided for Isaac. The ram had already been provided. But yet he's still speaking in the future tense. It shall be seen in this mount. You know what Jesus said about Abraham? Abraham saw my day. He saw my day. I believe on that mountain, God peeled back the curtains of time and Abraham saw the Lamb of God dying for our sins on that mountain. That stirs me up, brother. Wow. What a God. What a plan of redemption. Listen, if He could provide, 
for Abraham, he can provide for me. If he can provide for the nation of Israel, he can provide for me. If he can provide for the whole world, then certainly he can provide for little old me. Jehovah Jireh, the God who will provide. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word tonight. God, I pray that we would be encouraged as we're reminded of how great you are. Lord, you've never let us down. You've never failed us. You've always provided for us, and you always will. God, I thank you for that tonight. I thank you. That's a comfort to my heart. I think about my children. In certain days in which we live in this nation, politically and socially, with the coronavirus and all the other things, Lord, that try to move our hearts to fear, we know we can rest and be assured that you are the Lord who provides. And Lord, help us to rest in that tonight. Or maybe someone here unsaved. And Lord, their greatest need is salvation. You can provide that for them tonight. And Lord, I pray that they trust you tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Their heads bowed and eyes closed. Have a time of invitation. Maybe you're on a mountain of testing right now. Why don't you come to this altar? Just tell the Lord you trust Him. Just renew your commitment to follow Him wherever He may lead, whatever He may ask, knowing that He will provide. He will provide.